Good morning. Ah, good morning. Sorry, I had hit, I, I called you and then realized I was going through the computer speakers. I had to fix that. Oh, okay. So you, I you me- hung up. I messed up. Yes, it was my fault. Okay. Not my, not it was my like cr- two rings. I yeah. thought I failed some kind of test. No, I had to, I had to prepare it. I had to, I have my notebook um, and I, I had to get that out. I had to get my coffee. I had to, I moved to the kitchen because a, a grand total of one time since we switched this program from being Cameron and Brock are two people to Cameron and Brock are uh, going to wake up together at 7 a.m. Exactly one time I've been <laughs> able to use my bed, my bedroom for the recording. The other times, um, one or more of my family members have been asleep. So I've had to migrate to the kitchen. Uh, You're right. Had we anticipated <clears throat> this morning situation, maybe like Cameron and Brock are becoming two people. Mm-hmm. In the process of returning to being people. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that. Though We don't have a good, I don't have a good like elevator pitch, like nugget thing to say at the beginning of every show. And this morning, what sounded good to me was, uh, that uh, you are Brock and I am Cameron, and we are uh, we 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 are we grew up together. And after a long hiatus where we were busy doing di- like carrying on different lives, uh, we are now comparing notes on life. Would you? I would say that we are comparing notes on life. Does that sound like something? I we're would. Doing? I would say that is pretty accurate. <laughs> I'm sure I could remove 80% of the words in that, in that description, but <laughs> that wouldn't be true to this podcast, <laughs> the, the spirit or of how the either of us talk in real life. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, this is it. 80% filler, 20% killer. The Cameron and Brock are two people experience. Felix, you, you you're going to have to play. Nicely and quietly while I'm doing this. My daughter is, of course, awake. So, Yeah, that sounded, you said that with a relatively straight face, or at least it sounded so. Which, what do you mean? You will now play quietly. Oh. oh. Go. Well, she she just got a new some new toy set items. Some, the, there's a, uh, this is a very now thing, I suppose, but the, the, all she wanted for her birthday in February was uh, Sega Mini Stuff. And Daddy, I want Sega Mini Stuff. And I did not know what Sega Mini Stuff was for a, a, a bit until Shannon explained that it's this this figurine set. Um, and they're very nice little plastic figurines and that they're very cute and they have like a little house and a rocket ship and a diner and stuff. But the origin of the Sega Mini stuff, from my understanding, is within a children's app. So she she had played the app on Shannon's phone. And now, yes, Felix, yes, ah. there's a space for it and a diner. Very nice. So it's it's actually a, an <laughs> app. It's not like, a, you know, I guess this is the new based on a TV show. It's based on a children's app. What's the matter? Now she's crying. Oh, I'm following all of this. They don't have any characters in them. Oh no, where are the characters? You don't know? That's terrible. <laughs> now they're it just. Sounds like she's using the appropriate amount of emotion to handle this moment. <laughs> you just swing for the fences in every aspect when you're three years old. 
Uh, I mean, at that age, it could be a big deal. You're just never quite sure in the moment. So sometimes maybe it's better to go for broke than to be, you know, missing out. Yeah. Well, I, I enjoy that she... Uh, what's that? Yeah, I don't know, baby. You're going to... Maybe maybe you put them in your room or in the drawer or something. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, the, the, the way that she tends to pick maximum words to say things also entertaining. She didn't say, where are my toys? She says, but they don't have any characters in them. So good stuff. (laughs) That is, that is my youngest son, Jules. He's well, speak of the devil. (laughs) This is going to be one of those episodes. I see. I hope you're doing well, listener. Uh, yeah, he likes to use uh, very elaborate language of his own construction. Oh, And I think it's because he wants to be... I mean, he has two older brothers, and he's just... Mm-hmm. He wants to be older. This is very similar to Felix, where... Listener, where Felix uh, occasionally asks me if she's four yet. Like, all the time. Am I four yet? How about now? Okay, go look for the Mickey backpack. Huh? You don't have one? Well, I don't know where it is, baby. Oh, boy. This episode has everything. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Hold on. Okay. Welcome to Cameron and Brock are two people, the podcast in which Cameron and Brock are two people. Cameron and Brock grew up together. Uh, we met each other when we were six. Uh, homeschooled together. Went to, um, in retrospect, questionable Christian camps together. Uh, then Cameron ran off to college. Okay. Brock stayed home. Oh, okay, you're back. You can't find what? What What can't you find? I don't know where you put the characters. I can't help you. I can't. I don't know what to tell you. Don't look at me like that. You're going you're gonna to have to keep looking. Yeah, for I don't so... Know. All right. What do you want to talk about today? Jules, <laughs> Jules likes oddly specific language. He he wants to use the exact word for things like it's not your head or it's your forehead or your, you know, it's specific things. I see. But then he also needs to act like he knows what he's talking about when he doesn't know a word. So he constructs an idiom or a word or a phrase on the fly, but mm. acts real confident about it, you know. I think we may have talked about it before, but yeah. a really great example of it is that he was trying to talk to me about the cool birds he heard outside um, at night. And he couldn't tell it to me, and so he eventually settled on, that, you know, the night pigeons. I was like, Night pigeons. Finally, I got him to make the sound. Definitely an owl. Okay. He had, he, had, <laughs> he had just been like, well, I'm going to go with this. <laughs> I mean, the only reason that they're not called night pigeons is that he's a child and they're already named. This is not dissimilar to how a lot of things are named initially. It's just that you have to have first dibs on it. Right. And sometimes you feel like, oh, we shouldn't have gone with the first one. Like, 
you know, owl sounds okay, but had they been put next to each other, I think most people would go night pigeons. Yeah, and and like the the night pigeons contingent just wasn't they weren't there first. That's that's really all it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, so, did you have something amazing and interesting and just super engaging that you were dying to talk about this week? <laughs> well, uh, n- uh, so I grabbed my notebook, but I grabbed the wrong one. Um, so I don't have notes from last week, but last week we basically took a took a in- really kind of intense sidebar into the world of um, of uh, evangelical Christian summer camps of the late nineties. Um, so I, I I do have stuff like a, a story or an observation from two weeks ago that that takes a sidebar into a different relating world. to that. No. <laughs> oh, oh, another yeah. fork that the world could have taken. Um, uh, sort okay, of. I will say that to sum up my thoughts on last week. Oh, okay, yeah. In a in a word, and then we'll take your fork. Is I think I was trying to say that without specifics, I'm more encouraging of. Keeping discourse open between people with very different ideas. And so any overreaction to types of expressive people expressing types of ideas or language they're familiar with using or such, any overreaction against those from either side tends to make sure that neither side will ever like come closer to understanding each other. Um, so without getting into any, any details, that's more <laughs> of the ideal I want to encourage uh, yeah. without passing moral judgment on specific occurrences in either case. Yeah. And uh, from, from my part, and if the listeners want an hour of this, they, they can go back to episode 18. Uh, Indeed. For my part, I am generally... Uh, at least motivated by the same uh, thoughts. I, I do. I feel like my my specific position is one of like more cynicism, but also a little bit more optimism. Uh, in the sense that, like, um, I think that like we are going to err on one side or the other, and I would rather err on the side of um, protection of the marginalized uh, in. Rather than err on the side of protection of this free speech, or not free speech, but protection of the um, platform available for viewpoints that that can hurt the marginalized. Um, so, uh, I think that like it, the, a lot of what it comes down to is like what your definition of harmful speech is, um, and uh, and I also think that there's not a lot of there's actually no middle ground to be had for some of the people that I have a problem with. Uh, but, you know, the saying that, I guess, means that there's not an open table of dialogue between me, us and the racists, for example. But I think I'm okay with that. Anyway, that, that was all heavy stuff covered in last episode. And those were our, uh, I guess, our <laughs> recaps of our differing opinions. We, you and I did have good emails back and forth after that. And it's actually kind of one of the cool things about this podcast that... Um, 
despite us not talking for a long time and having kind of different approaches to things in a lot of ways, um, we have kind of ended up in the same ballpark, I guess. Like I haven't, I haven't had any like open problems with any of anything you've said on the podcast, you know, are you there? Oh, you hung up on me. No. Uh, what do I do? Oh no. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh Oh, I got a text. Computer just rebooted. Computer just rebooted. Huh? Okay. So to recap, what happened as I was monologuing some fairly, fairly unnecessary recap of, of last week's episode, uh, you, uh, you got up to, my understanding is you got up to shut the door to keep small children out of the room you're in, which is a luxury I cannot afford unless I want to start recording in the bathroom. And, uh, and in the process, appear to have um, tripped on the power cord or some such. Or like trip. Well, tri- nothing so apparent as that. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and blame myself. Okay. For my computer rebooting, um, I just maybe I just rebooted it in a fit of rage. I don't know, but here I am. We should get more of those fits of rage on recording. Um. <laughs> it's a silent fit of rage. <laughs> well, that's no good. All right. Well, we're back. Um, yes, thank you for shaking a container of plastic things, Felix. That's perfect. So, um, I assume, unless your monologue was unfinished, that you're ready to take a fork. Oh, it's finished. Um, yeah, yeah, we don't have to. I mean, it's not a huge fork. I, I just, uh, so two weeks ago, I decided, or I didn't, well, I decided that I was going to look into the possibility of making a, a PC. Uh, because it would be nice to have a PC around, because uh, I have a, a binder of old PC games from the late 90s, um, Dark Forces 2, uh, Star Wars Behind the Magic, which was a almost completely worthless CD that Star Wars put out during like the special edition times, and you could like click on droids and they would explode or something. It wasn't really even a game. <laughs> Uh, it was a multimedia. I, mean, I don't even know that one. It was a multimedia experience. It was like twenty dollars or something. I, point being, I have this whole um, gamut of old stuff, and uh, and I could f- run stuff in an emulator to varying degrees of success. Or I, I I thought for just a hot second, what if I built a retro computer, not like a a modern Windows machine, but like the world's greatest two thousand one era gaming PC. So what's the um, what's the source on those parts? I mean, well, that's that's the thing. Is like, and this, is, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil the ending. Felix, please pick up literally every toy you just threw across the floor. Yeah, that's right. I, hmm. Yes, you threw the ball. Okay. So uh, I'm sorry. My child just threw a container of smaller toys onto the floor, and it exploded. And smaller toys went everywhere. So that happened. Uh, um, toy grenade. Yeah, it basically was like a toy cluster grenade. Um, so the source on the parts. So I d- this this story does not end with me making a PC, to be clear. <laughs> but um, I did Yet. go on a little bit of an adventure. Yeah. Um, so I went looking online. I was like, uh, you know, where does one get old PC parts for cheapsies? 
Um, like an AGP slotted a motherboard, which apparently went out of style, you know, 15 years ago, or like an NVIDIA Riva 32X, I think is what it was called. It was like a 32 meg graphics card that were like top of the top of the line when I was around the time I built my last computer, which was 2001 or two. Um, those are like $5, turns out. Like the, 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 the graphics cards are $5. Um, the, uh, if you want to have, want a case, I mean, cases work more or less the same, but you don't want an old power supply. Apparently they're, they are starting to degrade and can be really dangerous. Um, but the rest of it, yeah. If you want to build a 2002 era computer and you have a lot of time on eBay, I guess, um, you can do that because all of that stuff is effectively worthless. I didn't realize how worthless though, until I looked up a, uh, a local nonprofit called uh, Free Geek. So Free Geek is like a, um, they're in a few major cities, but it's basically a place where people go donate old computers or they get them from businesses or whatever, and then they rehab them and sell them for um, like forty bucks. So you can go there and get like a, a desktop that used to be in an office or something that's been worked on and maxed out for like you know under hundred dollars. Excuse me. Had you imagined that maybe they would retain some kind of antique value? Well, no, it's just, it's actually, so here's what happened when I went to old Free Geek, which by the way is like the closest, when I walked down into the basement of Free Geek, which is a nonprofit and they're doing good work and they obviously are looking to, um, at minimizing costs. Uh, the, the, the website said, go around the side of the building to the alley. It's okay. That's the entrance. And I, said, okay. Uh, so I took Archer there. Um, it's downtown, uh, kind of west of here. And we, we uh, walked down t- into the alley and there was a sketchy looking door. Um, I pushed open the door and there was a doubly sketchy looking uh, stairwell down into the basement of this building. And upon walking into the basement, I felt the closest to Fallout 3 that I ever have in real life. Um, like <laughs> wire mesh fencing, separating areas of like a dimly lit uh, basement, well, unfinished basement with uh, with wires hanging everywhere and computer parts strewn about. Um, it is quite an experience to walk down in there and like uh, our, you just started pocketing. I started <laughs> like vacuum tubes and stuff. <laughs> right. I, yeah. It was. It was. Nuts. I, I, I think, uh, you know, it wasn't dirty. It was well ventilated. I'm sure everyone down there is doing great, but the overall sort of <laughs> aesthetic is one of an extreme post-apocalyptic hacker basement, uh, big time. And I was there with Archer and his eyes got very wide as we went downstairs. Cause he also just like, you know, we have laptops in this house. He's, he, he is not, he does not see like tower c- computers often at all. Right, so to him, every tower computer is old. Um, but we, uh, so I'm, I'm looking at the shelves of of computers and the monitors, and you can get a flat panel monitor down there for like ten or fifteen dollars, and you can get a desktop for forty. Here's the problem that I'm leading up to: is that the desktop for forty dollars is two point one gigahertz, and it's from like five years ago or eight years ago or oh. whatever. Like the, the I have missed. I have missed the the 2001 era gaming PC make your own uh, by at least like two PC cycles completely. Like it's not, 
it's it's gone from being old to being retro to being like why would you ever do that what's wrong with you sort of level <laughs> um there was a kid there and a worker there and i asked him about the the nvidia riva he'd never heard of it um <laughs> i uh <laughs> i told him uh like i was i was like reminiscing i'm like yeah i remember reinstalling uh 98 uh windows 98 se like every couple months and he was like what <laughs> apparently kids don't reinstall their windows every couple months anymore it's like are you okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> old man Ooh. um so the other problem i'm seeing with your uh situation is we sort of forget the details of frustrations we've had in the past. And not only were computers slow, but it, it seemed to be that software was more fiddly and less directly compatible. So, you know, without triggering you, I could say <laughs> uh, sound blaster driver issues, you know, like things like that you'd never think of anymore where everything installs Imagine trying to find 1998 era specific driver for something that no longer exists but wasn't installed with your game back then. It was all little pieces and parts that sort of barely held together. Uh, now, things sort of just work or they don't. Yeah. So. I mean, maybe that's what you want. Maybe that's the whole experience. No, being it, very frustrated <laughs> with something not working for a long time. It's very much not, and I realized that belatedly as well. Like I, I was just scouting that place. I wasn't planning to buy anything when I was there. And after asking him and him being basically being like, I don't know, you could ask the guys in parts; they might just be able to give you some of that stuff. I was like, okay, we're not even talking five dollars on eBay level. We're talking like dig through a dumpster out back level of value that I'm. <laughs> And like, yeah, the drivers being the main issue. I remember uh, I, I, as I was going home, I'm thinking through like rebuilding like the um, defragging RAM and having to like fix registry errors and um, like playing Unreal Tournament and having to choose between Direct3D and OpenGL when you started it. And one of them was smoother, but the other one gave you colored lighting or something. Um, like, yeah. and then like stuff would just randomly crash until you got the updated drivers and drivers just like, uh, the, the, like I've, I, the way I remember it is you'd plug in something. Windows would say, cool, here's a new thing. Let me check for a driver. And it would 100% of the time fail to find a driver. It would yeah. <laughs> like search through. It just did it like, well, I don't want to like not try, yeah. but. I mean, unless you have the driver in the CD drive right now, I'm not going to find it. Yeah, it looks through whatever, like, bundle of drivers Windows shipped with and, and does its, does, gives it the old college driver try. Being, essentially, for non-computer people, drivers are just, like, little, I'll just say, little software packages that tell your computer how to use certain um, hardware and certain other programs. Mm-hmm. And that's not and just really, bo it's really boring and you should never, ever have to think about it. And hopefully you don't now. Yeah. And CDs like, uh, nowadays you download the driver or like most, you know, Mac, uh, I, I can't speak for PC, but Mac stuff, 99% of the time, the driver just is there. 
because um, all that stuff's more common. But uh, it, you, you'd get your sound card, especially if you're building a computer, you get your sound blaster 32X or whatever, and then it would come with a CD that would have the driver on it. But uh, more than half the time, whatever driver came with it would not be new enough or what, you know, so then you'd have to go download a different driver. And yeah, that's apparently a big problem too, is the, that a lot of these old drivers just don't exist online. Be- I like how so. looking back on it, like sound, sound cards were a big thing back in the day. Like, you know, get the, you got the deluxe sound card. It's, it's whole separate little piece of hardware on the computer with special, you know, drivers and special tie-ins to these things. And I really think it was just because anything resembling um, graphics or, you know, something pretty to look at was just so far off that they're like, well, let's just focus on making this MIDI music as good as it possibly could be. Yeah. And like, we were all into it. (laughs) We were like, yes, Sound Blaster Gold. Uh, yeah, the 32 channels of, I mean, and, and it did make a difference, right? Older computers, uh, you know, an explosion would happen. It would cut out the music or whatever other sound was happening because there were only so many channels. Um, gosh. So, so there's this like black hole, right? Because there, there are people who run like a Commodore 64 or something, right? Like old computers, which are, the parts are simple enough for like in the case of like a Commodore 64, it's fairly self-contained. So like, right. And there wasn't a lot of variation, right? So those, that era of computers still exists in some sort of like museum form. Uh, but there's the, the like 1992 to 2000 and you know, eight era computer, like before, like post, like when computers started like getting piecemeal. I'm ordering it off of the Dell website because I saw a commercial era computer. Right. Like, yeah, it, uh, gateway to, I'm going to say gateway to a uh, resurgence of, of Apple as like, uh, you know, kind of owning that space again, like that era. So do we feel like this is, we, we've really lost something. Oh, I really uh, think we have. Historically yeah. or culturally, or are we better off having that pass into oblivion? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think like, uh, you know, nostalgia is, I, I think what we've lost is the, um, the lack of like a, a common culture nostalgia. Um, Cause the, the parallel I think of first is cars. Like, um, you know, there was an era of where cars were, you know, they all weighed 20,000 pounds and they didn't have seat belts and they got four miles to the gallon. And every time you hit the accelerator, it, it like s- ripped a hole in the excel, uh, in the ozone layer, the size of the car, right? Like, the, uh, well, old cars were big and dirty and dangerous and, um, but they were also very pretty and people think back to like cars of the fifties and how stylish they look and, and things like that. Um, you know, so like there is, there, there's a been a measurable improvement in cars and their impact on human life in the last like 50 to 60 to 80. I mean, cars have pretty much always gotten better from a like a impact perspective. Would you say? In in uh, yes, I I would agree. Yeah, health health perspective, like they've yes, they're, yes. they're safer. Definitely. They get they they're more efficient generally. Um, you've, what, what you've lost is aesthetics or, or somebody's, you know, somebody's fond memories, things like that. Computers are the same of same way. I mean, they've always gotten faster. Um, but what we've lost is, uh, there's nobody out there 
building a retro 2001 era beige tower because like I don't think those machines had like they were a big part of your life and my life but they did not have the mass appeal of like a you know a sky blue 67 Chevy or whatever right like they they were right and there was also no it wasn't like the appearance it was all functionality and functionality was never better you know yeah so it was it really was like not i mean there there's no aside from the nostalgia that like you said is not aesthetic at all uh there's no reason for that and there's no reason for a like a um a, a, a retro computer store to have like a Pentium three when it could have a Pentium four or whatever. And at this point, obviously computers are fast enough that you just run an emulator of whatever system. I'm okay. <clears throat> it is a little sad from a nostalgia perspective, but I'm okay in it living in on living on in our memories in conversations like this, because it really wasn't analogous to the car in enough ways. Like yeah. it, it was really just worse and now it's better. And <laughs> yeah. I like that, you know, it's, it seems like pure progress without mentioning certain hitches and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like progress. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to reminisce about how things aren't the way they used to be in this case. Sure. I mean, yeah, when I was thinking about it with rose colored glasses two weeks ago, I was just thinking about like, requirements on the back of the box right like i was thinking right i was totally with you when you said that yeah like you you the bar is so low to play like a uh, jedi knight at 60 frames per second that you know all you needed was a computer from 2002 but what i forgot is that a computer from 2002 uh the the standard for what was good was still crazy low so it's still you know even though it may run that specific game well uh, that is, you know, the aforementioned driver issues. There's it takes 30 seconds to boot up. There's the fact that Windows would measurably degrade <laughs> under your feet as you use the computer until you restarted it, freaking re- reinstalled the whole I thing. I mean, I, I'm seeing Ugh. this eventually just being an object lesson for your kids where if they, you know, go over on their screen time allowance or whatever you might call it. Sure. Um, that they have to sit in front of the computer while it boots and try to install a game from floppy disk. <laughs> and after about an hour of that, they're crying and you're like, all right, you're out of timeout. Now come enjoy modern life. Yeah. Well, what's funny is like computers have gotten measurably better. They haven't gotten measurably more sustainable. Uh, it's just that instead of, because I was thinking like uh, people always talk about like, I'm look. I'm using this MacBook. It is a, for all intents and purposes, a magic piece of metal. Like if something goes wrong inside of this thing, there's nothing I can do. There's no screws on the outside. Uh, I. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you were know, ta- telling me that you just sort of send it in somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's like, just right, yeah. Bye. And like I, I have milked the, uh, the wife out of old computers, old Macs, by taking them apart. I. I did take Shannon's completely apart and like replace the cable that ran to the monitor and tighten the screws and stuff, which it, that does involve like completely disassembling the laptop. But um, what what did I get after that? I gained maybe like two more years of functionality. Uh, like I, the the idea that a computer was ever not disposable was sort of a mirage. Um, the, and I'm realizing that now, and it makes me f- well, feel kind I mean, of sad. Just to just to. 
make your point less valid, which is generally what I try to do. Yeah, go for it. I'm fine. Um, the computer I'm recording on right now is approaching being 10 years old. Now, <clears throat> I have over time added and replaced certain parts, but I mean, successfully. And yes, it may have rebooted in the middle of recording today, <laughs> but it's, it's not impossible, but the general progress is what you're saying. I mean, it's just sort of a product I, and you just go with it. Yeah. I mean, I, Shannon's laptop and my laptop I got before this one were both pushing eight or nine years old. So like they, they lasted. Um, oh wow! Okay, yeah. all right. That's pretty long. Uh-huh. Um, now, I, I that said, they were from the, from the screws on the outside generation of Max, um, and I did at one point replace the optical drive in my computer with a second hard drive, like an SSD. Um, so, so I did a little bit to those, and this one I can't do jack to. This thing is just here. It's just looking at me screwless. <laughs> I, that felt like an idiom, but it never really materialized in my head, so I just left it alone. Um, you're screwless. Mm. No, my computer's so, screwless. I'm bounce. I'm screwed. <laughs> sort of going off of something earlier about, I think you said, used the phrase shared nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, I don't know if we've talked about this, because I think about it a lot, is what what as uh, how culture is right now, at least in America, I feel like shared nostalgia is fragmenting a lot. So, for example, last night uh, they were playing The Matrix on like BBC America or something. I happened to see it was on, and I remembered that was a huge thing from our childhood. Like, I think specifically with you, you were really into it. You had seen it. And it was a big deal. It was what, like nine, 99 or something? It was the first R-rated movie I bought in a, in a store. Right. Like that VHS yeah. box had um, ref, like... Uh, oh, it was shiny. Rainbow style reflective. What do we call it? Like a foiled yeah. sort of cover? Pre- I mean, it's premium. That was intense. Uh-huh. I just like held that VHS. But... <clears throat> I suppose what I'm getting at here is that was the movie that defined like a large swath of time around that, um, the release of that, and it meant something specific. And I feel like now there there are a lot more things coming out in a lot uh, in a quicker succession. Um, how something that's maybe more obvious is kids on Netflix, right? There's every cartoon, there's a million and Netflix is just throwing money at making millions of things now. And what I'm trying to get at is that nobody has as much overlapping experience anymore. Yeah. Uh, So we just don't like, you're like, yeah, I watched Netflix. So did I. And then you might have like, seen a couple of the same shows but yeah it's it's hard maybe to i'm just no no you're you're it's a thing i mean you've it's hard to capture the the, the zeitgeist it feels like uh on a work slack we have a westworld channel because westworld managed to do that 
Um, you know, I, I think like get a show popular enough to get its own channel on a work Slack, right? <laughs> like there's, there's a little tiny bit of, of commonality there, right? Like there's no, there's no channel for uh walking dead or like, I don't know, whatever other like uh, a trendy TV show, but Westworld, especially last season where we all just didn't know what was going on, got its own channel. Uh, but this is like a, it's weird because you're right that, um, access has uh, ease of access, ease of publishing, ease of finding an audience has resulted in, um, a fragmented audience because one of the reasons that we are all sharing those experiences is that they were the only experiences around to, to have, right? Like, um, the, 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 you know, you, we would look and your choices when you want to watch a movie were go to the movie store, uh, rent a movie, go to the theater, see whatever's out or watch whatever was on, you know, a handful of TV channels or whatever. This is, you know, now obviously boy, this, this, this whole topic is tired, I guess, to some degree, because yes, everyone knows there's too many things. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think that what, that that monoculture there's an there's an alternate argument I've been thinking about, which is that the monoculture was never anyone's it was never that good for anyone um because if the monoculture was uh the best, then people would still do that. Does that make sense like the the well, uh, I don't know that that I don't think I agree with exactly saying that we would still do it if it was the best. I mm. think part of how it got this way was just people trying to, you know, get their product, uh, more people being able to get more products out. So more people try. Sure. Um, but I do like the way you're looking at it because if you look back at it from a different sense, you just didn't have a lot of choice. So the fact that it gave you more of a shared a culture to remember upon was more like a silver lining, I guess. Yeah. Uh, in that sense. So I could look at it like that because when I think now of some of the really great shows I've appreciated, uh, just speaking of like TV and movie, right. I'm really pretty sure they wouldn't have been made, um, previously. Like, I don't know. I could think of a lot of examples. I would say maybe true detective, like True Detective season one, I was really a huge sort of into, and it got popular. But even that was one of those things that was a little bit out there and wouldn't have gotten the funding or attention otherwise. And so, I wouldn't trade watching another network show that everyone knows about for a show like that. So yeah, I, I I'll probably stop complaining. Uh, well, I mean it's. It, we've talked, we, you know, we keep looping back every episode or two to say that people want to sh have shared experiences. Like they, you want to join a group like that is, that is human nature. Um, and, uh, and, but the thing is like, yeah, by definition, if there are fewer larger groups, the chances of one of those being directly for you are lower. Um, and even back with the matrix, like the matrix, uh, you know, at the time it was really big for you and I, because we were like the target of the target of the target market, right? Like we were 15 or 16 year old dudes. Do you mean that we 
tried to replicate it by making movies of our own on home cameras and adding effects on pirated software. <laughs> I, I mean to say that I photoshopped more than one person's head onto a Matrix character, uh, including not, but not limited to uh, myself. My our friend, our I certainly tried the myself one. Yeah, I, I think uh, Sean was. Uh, I put Sean, and I believe I put my father uh, onto a Matrix poster. Uh, Blake, do you remember Blake? Oh, I remember Blake. Yeah, he and I had a whole at least two different choreographed fight scenes that uh, I tried to slow down and speed up and put uh, my, you know, my greatest triumph here was putting sort of a green tint over the whole uh, film, desaturating the colors and putting a green tint and rendering the video as such with crystal method playing in the back, man. I mean, you can't, I, I say you can't beat that. And obviously, you know, <laughs> why would one try? It was a time. Um, but like that, that, that movie doesn't hold like there's, there are a lot of people to whom that they, they just kind of blanket that movie. And like in retrospect, that movie is in a lot of ways really hammy and has a kind of weird message and, you know, doesn't, well, I mean, its own sequels don't hold up to the promise of that movie. Um, so, I mean, I guess the, the, the you know, a side effect of this is the extreme uh, focusing of fan culture around certain stuff, right? So instead of mm-hmm. instead of everyone being sort of okay with one really popular movie, now you have a few people oh, being sort of grouped, super obsessed I over see. very specific media, and I'm not sure that's better or worse. You know, that's a good point. It actually hasn't changed that much. People just sort of bundle up groups of things now and treat the group like we used to treat the single thing. I don't think it's changed much at all. Oh, I see what you're saying. That isn't what I was saying, but I like what you're saying. Oh, Um, well, I think both of us together came up with an idea we didn't intend to. Sweet. Yeah, you know, there are definitely like, it's like a category, right? So you can pretty much... You, I mean, you can safely assume that someone who likes a, you know, uncertain show would like. If you like Adventure Time, you probably like, I don't know, Rick and Morty or Bob's Burgers or something. Like, there's definitely there's there's the I don't there's the like a uh, the fan culture or like a subset of of nerd culture where you like a specific group of things. Um, but I guess what I was saying is the the, the broadness the the broadness is no longer mandatory. So like I don't have to like I don't have to watch any network television shows and uh, maybe that's a little bit of a bummer because then I don't have a shared experience with like 60 percent of the country or whatever watching the road you're out of touch can yeah well I mean do, is it valuable <laughs> says another person who doesn't watch right. well it, Wait, or whatever why are, why are you listening to us people yeah we don't know anything you do well, is it valuable to have a shared experience with that many people? Like, how many people do you need to have a shared experience with before you feel like your experience is meaningful, I guess? Right. I think that it is valuable to attempt to keep aware of what a lot of people are into. Even if you don't love it or want to spend a lot of time doing it. Yeah. I think I have a bad tendency to just totally dismiss that stuff. And... Frank, I don't feel bad about not 
feeling as engaged in something like I'm just going to throw something under the bus here. Big bang theory. Okay. Um, I don't feel bad about not really loving that show uh, as it's my own choice to have a, an opinion and it's just my own brain, but it's, it's good for everyone. If I watch it a little bit and I look for what is interesting about it and I understand a few of the key situations about it, that it pervade culture, like that's good for me and good for everybody. I, I don't see any problem with that, but I tend to not, it's easier to just be like that, right? you know, and yeah. that, that I don't think that's good for anybody. I think that, yeah, and I, I feel like that's, that's actually how I got back into football um, was I realized it was very satisfying to have just sort of a thing that I could talk to pretty much almost whoever about it, right? Like if you can, if you have a passing conversational knowledge of what's going on in football, you can get away with a fair amount of conversations. Um, and I got way more into it after that. Once I discovered fantasy football was sports D and D. Um, but that's not, that's neither here nor there. Uh, (laughs) but I think that, yeah, I, I, what I don't, what I want to be careful about doing is, uh, uh, saying woe is me about like the the uh, death of the monoculture because I Mm -hmm. I think that um, I think that either one putting too much weight in any sort of like pop culture grouping whether it's an incredibly uh, broad you know like everybody wouldn't saw Jurassic Park sort of culture or whether it's an incredibly specific like if you don't like Rick and Morty you're not smart culture like both of those have their own certain certain toxicity and both of them are not good for everyone um it's just that Mm, one of them is like by definition exclusive but the other one is by definition inclusive just like you know 90s monoculture or whatever it's inclusive but also in a way that like doesn't like there are a lot of people who don't necessarily want to be there in that culture but they just don't have any choice like literally especially at the time Um, it's weird to say it's not adding anything it's weird to say it's not adding anything to culture because, I mean, you, we're not generally that. We're not like, oh, this show will really advance our group thought about something. Right. I mean, sometimes a little bit, but that's not – we, we want to be entertained mostly. And some things we feel are more, in, like, challenging as an entertainment than others. Um, and so, though it seems less common – I also would like that um, courtesy where, yeah, a lot of the stuff I like, people who like other things might see my stuff as niche and they legitimately don't like it for good reasons. But if they understood why I liked it while simultaneously not being into it, that that makes me feel very... Uh, connected to that person in a way I wouldn't be otherwise. So like I, it just works both ways. Yeah. And, and there's, I mean, it took me a long time to realize what I liked that was niche in the first place. Like, uh, <laughs> I was at the, at this, at free geek, one of the things that the kid said to me and he was, I don't know how old he was probably early twenties. And he said, uh, Oh, that was back when computers were like beige. And I thought that was a really weird thing to say to me. And then I looked around and realized none of the computers are beige. I forgot the computers stopped being beige like 15 years ago. Like they were all black. 
I don't know. That was a very I weird. I thought they were just white and then the plastic aged. Maybe. Like all photographs aren't actually sepia kind of thing. I I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. It, but like I didn't realize when I was building PCs that like caring about the inside of your PC kind of at all was a niche thing. And a niche thing that has not survived in any sort of meaningful, you know, nostalgic culture. Like there's, there's, I mean, there, there are literally like two or three forums online of people trying to make old computers. Uh, but in general, culture has moved on. You could on. be the fourth man. <laughs> you could be that guy that like five other people care about. Yeah.